0: Hey everyone, I'm excited to drop into today's podcast an audio version of a webinar I did with Jason Morris and Nick Fishman last week. The three of us worked together for about 15 years before opening our own consulting practices and we wanted to peel back the curtain to show you what the three of us have been arguing about for, for over a decade. We, so we took four hot button issues within our industry and took opposing sides, argued with each other, made fun of each other, and, and then let the audience vote for the winner. Uh, it's a cool concept, a lot of fun to do, and we're gonna be doing more of them in the future. Happy listening.
1: Okay, we're gonna get started here. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today on the background screening Battle Royale, as we've dubbed this webinar. Uh, who argued it best? Uh, really looking forward to today's content. Um, as you all know, we have been bickering between Jason and myself and Kevin as well, like an old married couple for years now. Um, and you get to witness our immaturity uh, and 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 in, intellect or that uh, or lack thereof today, uh, and decide who won the arguments that we're actually going to be debating. So we're really looking forward to this. And think this is going to be a productive conversation. Um, I want to give everybody um, a, a note, as I, I had mentioned a few times before, that all of our attendees today are on mute. If you have questions, please use our Q&A panel um, and we will get to your questions um, as quickly as we can. Um, I also want to acknowledge the fact that you are seeing a new logo for the first time, and that is the iCubed logo. Uh, We had mentioned uh, maybe a couple webinars ago and probably announced it a few other times um, that Kevin, Jason, and I were going to be collaborating um, on a new consultancy. And iCubed is, in fact, that new consultancy. We will actually have a real website sooner rather than later. Um, But I'm going to let Jason tell you a little bit about what we're doing and why we're doing it.
2: So the reason we decided to do this was we're, we're, be, we're better conquering the universe together than separately. The three of us have worked together for over 20 years and, and really don't do the same types of consulting. So we put our heads together to figure out how to best uh, manage this and came up with this idea. Uh, our focus areas are advising not only CRAs and background screening companies, but also uh, uh, companies in the supply chain and customers. Um, we are continuing to do recruiting. Um, and and helping uh, companies scale their business. So there's probably about 10 different services we're going to offer when we launch the website, but those are the main things. And we're excited to continue working with everybody in the industry and and continue to excel the industry that we all love so much.
0: Well said. Let's get after it.
1: Okay. So today's combatants, uh, by now I'm sure you're familiar with the three of us. As Jason mentioned, we've all been working together for over 20 years now. A couple of things about today's uh, debates. You know, we chose topics that we're continually hearing about. um, And the truth is there really is no winning or losing argument for either one of the topics uh, or either one of the sides that we're going to be debating. We could all argue for the other side. Um, uh, of these topics. So a couple things that that you should know, these are unscripted. Um, We knew which debates we were doing. We knew who was gonna argue what positions. We have not talked about these positions. So what you hear is literally going to be unfiltered. Um, A couple other things uh, that I'm gonna tell you in terms of ground rules. Um, Each of us, the way that we're gonna open this up is that each participant in the debate will get two minutes for opening remarks. Um, and uh, the order is going to be determined live in front of you by form of rock, paper, scissors. Um, And so each person gets two minutes at the front, and then the moderator, whoever is not arguing uh, that particular debate, will ask questions of each one of the participants. Uh, When we're done, then you guys are going to get to vote, and this is going to stretch uh, my Zoom capabilities, but somehow we're going to get a poll question up there uh, for you guys to be able to say who you think argued it best. And, and, and at the same time, also, which argument you agree with more. Um, and so uh, we will get after it. Uh, now, let's um, look real quickly at what our debates are going to be today. As you can see, our boxing gloves there. We're ready. Um, and uh, the first Uh, debate that we're going to have today, I think, is a very important one. And, you know, it's very provocative the way that we've kicked this one off. Uh, Do do missed records matter to employers anymore? Um, Jason and Kevin are going to debate this issue, uh, and uh, we might as well uh, get started. You guys ready?
0: Ready. Go for it. Okay. We need a little Rock, rock, paper, scissors to see who's going first. Rock, paper, scissors, go on, shoot.
2: No, one, two, three, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, one, one two, one, three. Two. Oh, that didn't work.
1: <laughs> Why don't you try it again? If not, I'll make a call.
2: Rock, one, paper, scissors, one, two, three. Jesus Christ. I don't even see what you got.
1: All right, Kevin <laughs> wins. He's got the six. Kevin scissors. goes first. Okay. That was, okay. A dumb,
2: that was a
0: dumb idea I had to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. maybe, maybe we'll just try pick the number one or two next time. So. Uh, you know what, Jason? Take it. Age Age before beauty. All right. <laughs> well, well,
2: you know... This is something I've I, I put quite a bit of thought into, and, and it's something that, that the three of us have talked about quite a bit. And the answer, in my opinion, is, is yes and no. And it really depends on, on the employer.
1: OK, um, I'm going to call a timeout on that and say there is no such thing as a yes and no in these debates. You're arguing have, one side or the other.
2: Well, you know, let me finish my sentence, Nick. Um, I'm going to take the overall answer of no. And the reason is because I do still believe that over 80% of our end users today are doing background checks just to check a box. And they, they're, they're going through a process. It's an insurance policy for them. And at the end of the day, well, if they find out about a misrecord, of course, they're going to be upset about it. Uh, and of course, they're going to call you as the CRA and, and, and complain about it. But at the end of the day, I think that they're looking, for, uh, they're looking for certain records and they're looking to hire these people quickly. And in today's labor market, especially when companies can't find people to work for them, they're turning a blind eye to a lot of things they weren't turning a blind eye to in the past. Uh, so when you look at uh, companies in the gig economy um, and, and CRAs that service those, uh, and CRAs that service um, employers that are doing mass amounts of hiring, I just don't think they care much about the accuracy like they used to.
1: Okay, Kevin,
0: your um, two minutes yeah, are up. Jason, can, that's okay. Can you do me a favor? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, can you start a CRA again so I can compete against you and take all of your points? <laughs> <miles? laughs> well done, Kevin. Smackdown. You know, I, I don't want to knock him out with one punch here. I want to have some fun with him on the ropes before I drop him. You know, li- listen, if you're to believe Jason, you believe that Criminal records don't matter anymore. I think you're making that argument, eating a two-for-one special sitting at the bar at Applebee's instead of the corner office. Because you've lost all of your clients. You don't have that corner office anymore. Well, you said um, that they don't care anymore. Jason? <laughs> so I as, you know, like, like like Nick said, you know, um, we decided to do our two-minute intro. And if you've heard me speak before, you know that I write things out and it helps me organize my thoughts. And I can't tell you how much time I looked at a blank piece of paper trying to come up with 300 words which is 200 which is two minutes of speaking um you you know i i just started that blank piece of paper how do i how do i write two minutes of content trying to convince someone that their product should do what it says it does you know that the dishwasher salesman he doesn't he tells me that it'll be quiet or energy efficient he doesn't try and convince me that every 10th load of dishes i do the dishes won't come out clean and i i should be okay with that but that that's that's the point that jason's trying to make he's he's trying to convince you that because not every employer, employer wants to use criminal records. It's okay as a CRA if we don't find criminal records. And, and that's the trap that I think a lot of us fall into because searching, reporting, and using are three different things. And in our industry, you, you can't separate the egg white from the egg yolk. And and I think the other argument boils down to, you know we can't live in a world where we are good enough to find the manslaughter, but indifferent enough procedurally to miss the disorderly conduct. So. I'm gonna pause here, Um, then we're gonna talk back and forth, but when it's my turn again, we're gonna talk about the data providers, the end users, the support team, and the risk of that approach at scale.
1: Okay, Uh, Jason, do you have a rebuttal to Kevin?
2: Look, I think that there there are a lot of employers that the accuracy of the the criminal records are very, very important, especially in, in a lot of regulated industries. But when you look at the overall hiring that gets done in the United States, you know these things aren't a problem until they're a problem. So if, if you hire somebody and you find out a year later uh, that they might, that the background screening company might've missed something, but in re- as a result of that, you've got a great employee, it's been a great employee for you, why do you care? Um, I think it's playing into a lot of the, um, uh, the recidiv- recidivism studies and, and the EEOC initiatives to give people a fair chance. So I just don't think when it comes to minor crimes, especially, that companies are as concerned about that as like they used to. And that's evident with a lot of the end users today that are using mostly data products and not really going and doing the gold standard uh, of going to all the counties uh, under all the names uh, for that criminal background check. The second point I would I would rebut that with would be, don't forget that recruiters are trying, they're, they're going through the hiring process and the background screening process. They're not trying to exclude people. They're trying to include people. They're trying to hire people. Um, and I think that uh, the, the missing of a criminal record becomes less and less important as these employees become more and more successful with those companies.
1: So real so, quickly, uh, Kevin, before I turn it over to you, Jason, yeah. I have a question. So you, you're suggesting that the minor crimes don't really make a difference. And by and large, for many employers, an individual incident might not make a difference, but a body of work does. Are you, sure. are you disqualifying the fact that that's important?
2: No, I'm not. I mean, the, 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 again, I'm, I'm talking holistically. I'm talking about when you have, you know, a hundred employees that have been hired for a hundred different companies, you know, what's most important to them. And like I said, overall, at a higher percentage, I think at a higher percentage employers uh, in the United States aren't, is, they're, they're not as in tune to that as they used to be.
0: Go ahead. Nick, are, we, are we looking to wrap this one up about 16, 17 minutes after? 16 or 17. Uh, yeah, but go, go ahead. You got, you got your thing. I want, to make sure, I want to make sure I get all my punches in. Yeah. Um, you, you know, hey, a lot of us in the industry are looking at the landscape like Jason just said, fair chance laws, ban the box, salary prohibitions. You know, we believe and want our industry to become more consumer friendly. And, and I believe and want all of those things as well. So I'll go back to the argument around you can't separate the egg white and the egg yolk. You know, you, the, the disorderly conduct record doesn't hide. It doesn't hide behind the felony conviction. If you're good enough and you need to be good enough to find a felony conviction, you're gonna find the disorderly conduct. Again, searching, reporting, using, three different things. But here's where it matters. Let's talk about support team and end users. And I've done over 20 years, 50 of these phone calls, which isn't a lot when you're doing millions of searches. But now I get to join my clients on these calls as well when they need a little backup. That client, I'll agree with Jason, that client doesn't care about that missed record. You're gonna get a pass but the client really cares about their program. So they're gonna ask questions like, "Do you think this happened a lot before Mr. CRA leader? Do you think this will happen again, Mrs. CRA head of operations? And that's where the wheels fall off because your support team's not good enough to have that conversation a number of times with the same client. So again, you'll always get a pass the first time, fear, uncertainty, and doubt the second time. Third time clients had have been yelling at you because they've already made their decision. At scale, which is what everyone wants and everyone believes is the key to building their empire. Just think of how many times this is going to happen. So here, here's my knockout punch. You know, it's, it's not about whether the employer will use the record Searching's the key to winning searching is the key to selling searching is the key to closing. You know, it's, it's not a moral or philosophical play. It's not a hands-off every reportable record and let the employer decide like we would have done 15, 20 years ago. This is a money play. Everyone in our space is competing in the same side price, technology, speed, well, how about compete on being the best? You know, I, I teach clients during the sales process. I say, always ask this one question. How many records do you want to find? Because what answer do you think you're going to get? And that immediately elevates you out of the $15 background check game, while at the same time creating fear, uncertainty, and doubt about their current provider selling them a $15 background check. So, you know, you can create as, as, as listeners here, you know, you can create a program that finds some of the records at 15, most of the records at 50 bucks, all the records at 500. Now that's dramatic. You're, you're not gonna sell 500 and you may not even sell 50, but the conversation is gonna continue. And that's a lot better than the three or four competitors who are saying the same thing about turnaround time, and the same thing about ATS integrations and customer support. So in my opinion, my, my, my closing argument, you know, it begins by wanting to be the best and that's why it still matters.
2: And, and, I, and I think that a lot of employers are in tune to that. And you said it before. I mean, I think that uh, companies don't want a, what comes inside of a 10 to $15 background check But when it comes down to them actually paying for it or picking their packages out and what they have a budget for, that's what they end up buying. And so it's almost like an if then statement. If you buy the gold standard, then you will not miss many records. If yes. you buy the ten dollars to fifteen dollar background check, you're going to miss records. You need to be able to accept that, and I think that they do accept that when they sign the contract.
0: I don't think they do. I, All right, I think I've got. What it. They're saying for fifteen bucks, you're going to get it.
1: And I have I a couple. Think,
0: I, I, I don't think they wait three times. I think they're gone. Yeah, I have a couple follow
1: up questions uh, for, for you guys, and I know that this might stretch this particular argument a little longer but it's worth digging into because I think this is an important topic. Um, so Kevin, how do you square your argument with the general sentiment that this is a commodity service?
0: I'm, I'm happy to argue the other side because I think the pool of profit is larger um, and everybody's just swimming in the other pool. And now what's wrong with what I just said, you know, buyers are in charge, not us. Um, but I think, I, I just think the competitive landscape, it, it's just so competitive at that $10, $15 price point that I'm going to try and do a couple things at the same time. Um, because I, I do think conceptually what Jason said, yeah, 15 bucks okay. But it's not going to be the disorderly conducts that you're missing. You're going to miss the felonies and the manslaughters at the same rate. And, and that's where I think it becomes a support problem. And I think it's just you're going to churn too many clients and you're going to have to run too hard to, to, to get, get new ones from, um, from your sales presentations.
2: Well, don't you think the top companies out there that are selling the 10 to $15 background checks in mass, um, are disclaiming that? I mean, they have to be. So if that's what you want to buy in your McDonald's or whatever, you know, whatever end user you might be, and you know that you're only going to pay 10 bucks and you know that you're only getting data products, then you have to also know that you're going to miss a whole lot of stuff. If Jason, our chart-
1: final, final question to you, Jason, on this topic. So. Um, do you really believe that employers are just doing background checks in order to do it? In other words, that they get no value from a background check whatsoever, but they're doing it to check a box?
2: Well, it, it's hard to say yes or no because if you ask me if all employers in the U.S., I would say that more than fifty percent, yes, they just care about checking a box, and I'd put that number probably more like seventy-five to eighty percent of employers in the United States or companies that are hiring a hundred percent of the employees with the United States. If you look at the percentages. I would say that most often than not, they are they are checking the box.
0: I, I think the sales and marketing engines at larger companies are good enough to bring in new clients to replace the ones who have left because of missed records. I, I, I don't think that employers are out there. Now, everyone listening is going to vote on this, right? You know, you agree with me, or agree, agree with Jason. But I don't think that you're having a lot of conversations with clients who are ordering $15 screens and especially enterprise clients. This happens once a week you know, when you're doing a couple hundred a day, a couple hundred a month, like you're having this conversation all the time. And I don't think those users are saying, okay, Mr. CRA leader. I know I bought a $10 check. Okay. That's great. I think they're going to go look to somebody else because the competitor is going to say, I won't miss records for 10 or 15 bucks. So that's, I I just think employers will leave.
2: I think tight CLA or SLAs and contracts spell that stuff out pretty uniquely. And I've seen a lot of them doing expert work. I mean, they're pretty especially the most sophisticated and bigger companies, they are disclaiming all that stuff within their contracts and SLAs.
1: Okay, guys, let's let that be the final word. Uh, We are now going to launch a poll to determine who won. And uh, if- Those of you who remember Billy Madison? There was a great line there that I'd like to share, Mister Morris. <laughs> what you said is one of the most insanely. Idiotic well, you're things setting me up for
0: failure. At no
1: point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought.
0: You earned zero points.
1: <laughs> right, and may <laughs> and God, God have mercy God on your soul. Okay, we're just going to give everybody a couple more seconds here to vote in. Um, Jason, you will uh no doubt uh be, be thrilled with uh, the results that you see here. Um
0: we've been talking a lot of trash to each other all week on this. So
1: <laughs> right, exactly. We're gonna, we're gonna so, find out. so Jason, I, you mentioned an a 50 to 80 percent number uh on those that uh that that, that do not care. Yeah. I can tell you among those that are on this call, only 26% of them agree with you. Okay. Kevin, you are, yep. I, so actually we cl- we're we ending it now and we finished 25% of the people okay. agree with Jason, yep. 75% of the people yep. agree with Kevin. Yep. I will not gloat because I love watching Jason lose, but you've made the right choice, America.
0: <laughs> hey, let's go again. We got another one teed up.
1: Okay. Okay, Kevin, you're the you're the moderator on this one. Um, oh,
0: no. is this monitoring? Or is this Brand uh, lead? This gen? is. I think I have this out of yeah. uh, order. By okay. Nope, nope, nope. I just uh, when I did my notes, I just didn't build in the one I wasn't talking about. Okay. All right. Um, Jason, you went first last time, so let's let Nick take a, take the stage on this one.
1: Okay, so uh, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to Greg Debecki from Corporate Screening who um, actually reached out to me on this particular question recently. Uh, and uh, I had a very definitive answer for him. The same. Oh, speaking definitive... of that
2: though, we didn't,
1: we
0: didn't do our yeah. shout outs this time. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That, that, that That's fine, that's but I'm about to shout you down.
0: So <laughs> uh, did Greg, did Greg also take your face and stretch it out?
1: <laughs> no, but I had, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm working on that, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Okay. So what, what, I will, what I'll tell you is the same thing that I told to Greg, and that is an easy answer, a very easy answer for me. And that is you are not selling anything in this industry until you have created some kind of brand awareness. We have seen it time and time and time again. Um, certainly when we were building employee screen IQ um, and, and, and even since that time, you see how many competitors are in this space And they buy from brands. They buy from individuals that have created brands for themselves and companies that have branded themselves. Until you do that, I don't care what kind of sales campaign you go out with, you are not going to get people to sell in this industry. Um, Anecdotally, I can just share with you, and Jason, you know this, you remember the number of RFPs we got once we engaged in heavy thought leadership and, and, and brand development, you know, we would walk into meetings <clears throat> with people and we would go to introduce ourselves and they would say, we know who you are. We've read your blogs. We've seen your webinars. Um, I am, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you that I am adamant that you are not going to sell anything until somebody knows what your brand is. Um, and so I know I keep repeating the same thing over and over again. It's just cause I'm right. Uh, so go ahead, Jason, and try try and prove me wrong. Well, I,
2: I don't I don't disagree with you completely. Um, yeah, but what again, I tell you it, it really depends on the type of organization that you are. If you're bootstrapping, then I absolutely would focus all of my time on sales and not and not marketing. If you have the budget and you're just opening the doors and you have investors and you, and, and you have and you have something in the bank then absolutely you want to spend time uh, branding your business. So it really depends on how your company is, has started. When we started background information services in 99, we had no branding and no marketing. Um, it was getting newspapers every Sunday from the bookstores out across the country, finding out who's hiring and calling them and emailing them and, and just pounding you know pounding the sales. Um, if you look at the top four companies in the industry, first advantage, sterling, accurate background and hire right, especially Sterling. We know this. um, They had no marketing programs for 15 years at all. Uh, They had a name, but that was it. Um, And they spent and focused all of their time and energy on building a kick-ass sales force, which is what they did. And we've seen that with all the top four companies. That's how they did it. Um, So if I was to start a a CRA tomorrow and I had a a small budget and I could spend money on a salesperson or a marketing person, it's absolutely going to be a salesperson. No question. I want to show traction. I want to show growth. I want to show new contracts. I want to show LOIs. Um, it's the same way that any of these startups that come out of Silicon Valley work. They want to show the traction in the sales front, whether it be um, somebody just saying that they're interested or somebody signing that contract. Uh, you know, But again, it goes back to what, how, how you're funded. And if you're funded, if you have a lot of money to spend on on both of those things, of course, you want to do both of them. But not many companies in the industry are started that way.
1: Okay. So uh, I, I, will, I, I will concede the point that yes, I want sales. I want sales more than anything. What I'm telling you is you don't get to unlock those sales until you have established some kind of brand recognition and notoriety. Look at how HR makes their decisions. They make their decisions based on, am I aware of this brand? Do I know who they are? Do my peers use these people? Um, do I trust what they have to say? That's how they make their decisions. So you could get the greatest salesperson in the world, and you've seen this before. You can get the greatest salesperson in the world um, to, to start calling somebody when you have a brand new uh CRA and and uh and 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 no uh understanding of who you are, they're not selling anything, period. Um the other thing is you keep referring back to when we started or when first advantage of sterling started. And I don't disagree with you that sales was a very big thing. That was then and this is now. Um, this is a very crowded marketplace right now, and there is very little differentiation. At least um, in my mind, CRAs don't do a good enough job differentiating them from one to the other. So, what happens? People buy from brands.
2: I, I, I again, I don't disagree that people buy from brands. But if, if I was put into two different situations, one of them is I'm in a room with a thousand people at the Sherm conference. And we have a private party. There's a thousand people in there. Am I focusing my money? On napkins and banners that say my company's name, or do I want two sales guys in there networking the hell out of the place and and, and doing direct sales?
1: Hmm. That's where
2: I would put. That was where I put my focus. I and have a better second.
1: response to you. If you're at the Sherm conference and there are a thousand people in the room, there might be only five buyers that actually do True. background checks. So, True. aren't I better in just weeding through to find out who the right buyers are?
2: So let's let's Sorry. flip that on, a, on, on its end. Um, you now, if you had the opportunity um, to at the next Sherm conference. Speak or exhibit, one or the other. What are you going to do? Speak. I'm going to speak. There's absolutely, there's absolutely no,
1: no, no question. Right. I'm going to speak. You're helping right. me argue my point, though.
0: So, yes. is the br- did the brand get you the speaking opportunity, or did the lead gen system get you that? Uh, it depends. And, it, and it Nick depends. would say it's the brand. And, I, well, and... it, but I wrote, but I also wrote down a couple minutes ago, and then Nick said the counter of what I wrote. I said people buy from people. Um, yeah. You know, so Nick, Nick, what people would you do say? Buy, Kevin, people do buy from people, but again,
1: I, and, and I agree with that sentiment, but you need something to get you in the door and and you need somebody to, and, and in order for people to buy from people, they have to recognize the brand that you're representing and trust that brand. What that if this get.
2: gets me in the door though? A phone call gets me in the door. I can tell the story. I can call anybody and, and, and tell my story, whether it's, you know, Ooh, we should uh, have done you know.
1: a live demonstration on this call. and don't you call anybody?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Nick, again, Nick.
2: What, Nick, what do you, go ahead, Jason. I, I, again, I, I, I don't disagree with Nick, but if, if there's a hundred companies I want to target, you know, I, I can't brand my way into those companies. I need base based marketing. Of course you can. not that? Account-based well, marketing. Of course you can. You, you can do that, but if you wanted to spend your money on, on that or the salesperson making those phone calls and getting into the, and, and opening those doors, that's again, that's where I'm putting my money.
0: So a, a question, a question for each of you, Nick, what do you say to people who worry or wonder when they've achieved whatever brand, whatever success definition of brand is? And then Jason, how do you overcome through your sales staff, the CRA who right. that, that branding builds?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and so my, my, uh, my whole premise of my argument is I'm not dismissing uh, the importance mm-hmm. of sales. Sales is really important, but I just don't believe you get to sales until you can create the brand. Um, and, and and so, uh, Kevin, the answer is, um, you know that you have gained significant traction when you walk into meetings with other people and they know who you are. You know they've engaged okay. with your brand. You know you've seen it. And by the way, you never give up truly on building your brand. It's just that the mix... Goes more, I would say, after you've established that brand to sales generation, as opposed and in lead generation, um, as as opposed to brand awareness. All
0: right, it's Jason. Also, what do you think on the question I asked? Which the uh, I hope you. Well, I was going to say I hope you remembered it because I forgot it. Uh, no, it's a, it's it's um, you know, the sales staff that when somebody picks up the phone or you do meet somebody at a trade show, it's like CRA who? Right.
2: I mean, and again, yeah, and they that, just don't know who you are. And, and that is why I, I, I can't disagree completely with Nick. I mean, you need to have some sort of, you have to have a brand, you have to have a logo, you have to have a, a website, you have to have the basics. Um, but if you have those basics already, which any company, you know, I know this is all hypothetical, but no company is going to launch without those things. So if you're going to have those, those core things. Those uh, things are
1: just in, in my, the, the, those things are just the greens fee. They, that, that doesn't, to me, that doesn't really count as brand awareness.
2: All right. So you let's pretend that everybody has those. And then you each have a budget of $10,000 to, to generate the cash register singing. Um, where, are you, where are you spending that money? And again, I, I don't disagree with what Nick's saying, but for $10,000, I'm, I'm, I'm having people pound the phones.
0: All right, Nick, final word.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I don't think that I can debate the importance of sales in an organization what i debate is the order in which it comes and, and 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 in my mind you cannot i'll just keep repeating this you cannot sell until somebody understands what your brand is and how you're different from your competitors until you establish that you know you're 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 dead in the water
2: okay and all right my my only counter to that would be then how how do you how do all these startups that don't focus on the marketing and the branding. From you know when they're first trying to show their seed uh, acceleration, they're doing it through sales and, and
0: not for the branding. They don't have the money right. to branding it. Time to vote.
1: Oh yeah, sorry, that's up to no, me hang on.
0: on here.
2: Okay, let's see here. Got some good comments and questions on the on the uh, yeah, chat. Yeah, too. we
0: really do. Okay, yeah, who, who it won, guys? The quick answer is here. His
1: name rhymes with Fick Nishman. Go ahead and take a few seconds to vote there.
2: Free consulting Ooh, yeah. hours from Jason Morris if you vote for me.
1: <laughs> well, you get what you pay for. <laughs> okay, this is the we are we're neck and neck, Jason.
0: <laughs> I I think this one's going to be pretty split down the middle. I need to vote. Damn it. We can't vote. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, sorry. That, sorry. Uh, too bad. So sad. All right. Can we'll give everybody it. just another uh, second here to log in and we'll go from there.
2: Oh, that must mean he's losing. Looks, <laughs> looks like we're done.
1: <laughs> oh, look at that. Hang Can't on. see it. Uh, oh, I feel like I That's trounced bullshit. you by the way. And I, and, and, and I'm going to hang my head in shame, uh, over just beating you by, uh, by A couple of, uh, one vote there, actually. I you think that's still within the margin
0: of error. You didn't cover the spread. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> a loss is a loss, Jason. Okay.
0: <laughs> for we'll two. stop sh-
1: sharing that and uh, go back to our next debate. I'm the moderator on this one. Uh, Kevin and Jason uh, will be uh, debating this. And the, uh, the, the, the question is, Will continuous monitoring ever gain traction with CRAs? And and again, I want you guys to pay very close attention to the way that I'm wording this. Will it gain traction with CRAs? Um, and so uh, which one of you is going first on this one?
0: Uh, I'll, I'll take it. Okay, um, it's yours. You know, why, why won't it take off? Um, because I have a really long memory and a really good calculator. It, it, it's not going to take off because it never has. And it's not going to take off because it's expensive. Now I'm going to revisit each one of those in, in a minute and in more depth, but you know, listen, I've, I've been in the business 20 years and, and post-hire screening has been around every day of my career. Now it's not a new concept and it's a little different. You know, we're calling it different things. We don't say phrases like infinity screening or, or you know, anymore. And, and yes, the, the data, the technology and the pricing is getting cheaper, but you know, it's not improving. Mass adoption rates, which is going to dictate to CRAs what we do. Now, yeah, Uber and Lyft and DoorDash do this. Why? Because their business depends on public confidence. And every above the fold negative Wall Street Journal article knocks $100 million off their market cap. But the enterprise level B2B manufacturing company that makes the part that makes the part that makes the part that goes into something you buy at Target, no way. Now, Jason's going to argue you should you should do it. And guess what? I agree. You should do it. But I, you know, I, I said, I said two things a minute ago, I have a, I have a long memory and a, and a great calculator. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause here. And I'll, uh, I'll let Jason weigh in before we get to that.
2: Well, the the infinity screening of yesterday <laughs> is not the monitoring of tomorrow. Um, it's just it's a completely different animal. It's a completely different product. It's approached differently. There's different data sets that are used. And it's not just criminal monitoring. It's 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 industries that are regulated that have to do some sort of monitoring as well, like Verisys or whatever for healthcare, SJVs, healthcare uh, products. Those things are things that are better off monitored than run yearly. Um, But if I answer the question exactly how it's asked, will continuous monitoring ever gain traction with CRAs? The answer is a thousand percent. Yes, it has. And in the last year alone, eight of the 10 largest CRAs in the space have adopted it by the end of last year. Uh, so eight of the 10 have adopted it with one vendor that, that I'm aware of. Um, and with that, they've shown growth quarter one or quarter two over quarter one. So we're seeing the traction already with them. Today, and I don't know what the number was last year, the year before that or the year before that, but today one vendor has over 20 million applicants being monitored within their system. I guarantee you that number was 5 million a couple of years ago. Um, so we have seen mass amounts of traction with, with uh, CRAs adopting it. Now, let's put a big now there. CRAs ability to then sell that to their end users is a big question. And we know, and I've said many times before, that CRAs are not very good at, at selling new products. But I do believe the tail will lag the dog on some of this because a lot of the larger employers are starting to adopt things like this. And not only because they want to. But because when you see things coming out of the EEOC and different state regulations that are trying to put less importance on the adoption of criminal records um, and companies and more and more companies are going to give chances to more and more employees in the future, they might, they'll still do the criminal background check and, but the application of the records will be used a little bit differently. But if they're going to give somebody that chance, they're going to use the monitoring uh, software and the monitoring technology that's available today to keep an eye on them.
0: Yeah, you know, that this um, this feels like Charlie Brown, you know, just year after year after year after year, we keep waiting for it. Um, and and I, you know, I don't know what adopted means, and and I can't, you know, I know the phrasing of the question, but I think it's tough to separate, you know, the CRA from the employer because ultimately they're going to do what their end users demand. You know, are people bolting it onto their product lines? Absolutely. Do licenses need to be monitored? Absolutely. But you know, if, if the business owners and the leaders on this call are looking at their business pre hire, post hire monitoring versus, you know, pre employment screening, it's just a really small percentage. Um, Les Rosa and I were talking about this a, a while back. You know, as an industry, we struggle selling once a year database rescreens for five bucks. We can't sell once a year current county residence checks for 10 bucks. So, what leads us to believe, and I'll, I'll use criminal monitoring as my example, what leads us to believe we can effectively sell continuous monitoring for 20? So, you know, I'm gonna use some of Jason's words before on his first argument, I'm gonna hit him with this again, you know, um, you know the, the prime argument for diluting screening standards, right? If we think back to our first our first topic is to reduce in part the price you can sell at. And that argument baked into the industry belief that people don't wanna pay for things. That's the question Nick asked me about commoditization. So if that's true, and we as an industry struggle with getting people to pay 40 bucks instead of 20, and their turnover rates 20% a year, what in God's green earth makes us think we can convince the same person to spend 20 bucks on 100% of their employers. So when I mentioned having a good calculator and you compare the cost of the pre-hire screen to the, and you layer on monitoring for 100%, you've tripled or in some cases quadrupled the cost. And I, I think employers have really good calculators too. Right. But now, if, if oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. If you look
2: at so the lot the top four screening companies in the United States cover over sixty percent of the volume that's done by background screeners in the United States. Those companies and the four under them are adopting this at a high rate. Now you're not seeing that.
1: Now let me ask a very a a nuanced question. Mm -hmm. They are adopting it, or they have clients that are using it. Which
2: one of those two? Both. Because if you look at the number of records that are being monitored and how that looked two years ago, I mean, you're seeing that growth. So Kevin, you're not seeing, you know, you're your calculator and you look at the past, you're not seeing this, but you're seeing this. And, and that's what these products want to see when they're selling them to the CRAs. Now, what you're also not seeing, and I've never seen it, I've never seen it for $20. Um, so, I mean, maybe some of the smaller CRAs are, are buying this for $20, but a lot of the larger CRAs are either buying this on a subscription basis, or for for a very small fraction of that twenty dollars. Which at that I mean, point,
1: you know, I, 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 in, in Kevin's defense, I think what he's what he's referring to is that it, the end user pricing on it will be
0: somewhere in that yes. neighborhood. Not what the CRAs yeah. are buying it for. No, no,
2: no. I see the the end user price is much less than twenty dollars from what yeah. I've seen with the, with the Jason, if
0: you're arguing, but if you're arguing that records don't matter and we can compete and sell $50, $15 background checks, then why is that exact same employer care about monitoring?
2: Well, for one, for one big reason, and they're not necessarily selling it into HR. So it's not part of the, the, of the screening process.
1: Bingo. Which, so now uh, you've touched, now you've touched on to what I think is the very core of this, um, yeah. because I think I've been very outspoken in saying that I believe that this product is going to take off at some point.
0: In the and and we've been saying that and we've been saying that for 15 years.
1: I agree with you every year. in the trends that everybody does, they always talk about continuous monitoring is coming. Continuous monitoring is coming. My (laughs) argument would be it might be here, it might be coming, but nobody's using it right now. And I, I I love mind shift the real I love it cannot be sold right now. If HR is the buyer, it is not going to be sold. So, um, Jason, how w- how would you respond to that and CRA's ability to be able to do it?
2: Well, again, it's the CRA's ability to penetrate a whole different market and a whole different customer. It could be risk, it could be loss prevention, it could be IT, it uh, could be a plug into the IT, you know, to an API for IT uh, to monitor the people that way. Uh, we're seeing it. All over the place. Um, and again, today we're just talking for and we shouldn't just be talking about criminal monitoring because we're seeing, you know, huge growth with healthcare monitoring and fintech and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but that's all well, regulated. And that's why but
1: we're that's not regulated, regulated anyway. I agree. People have adopted right. that we're, yeah. we're moving in the right. They way.
0: they had they had to do it 10 years ago. I'm thinking about right. things that they can buy or can't buy, not things that they have to buy.
2: Yeah, and again, we we are seeing we are seeing that growth. So it's not like it's not coming, it's happening today. We're seeing it. Um, and we
0: talk, to the, so we, we talk to the same people at the same trade shows, and I, same questions every year. And yeah, you know, now don't get me wrong. I love post tire monitoring. And I think everybody listening is looking in their building and they're saying, am I more successful in selling it or aren't I? I, I think it's criminal pun intended to let someone walk in the door as an employee and do nothing for 15 years. Um, I love what the data providers are offering. I love the technology is getting better. The filtering is getting better and the cost is declining. And I still don't think it's enough. I, I want to be on Jason's side. Um, now, I'll give you a couple of practical considerations. Hurry and up and that, do that. that because the then buyers we, we will say. Move on. Um, I, I've had a number, and, and we all have had, you know, a number of enterprise level HR executives say personally, the headaches this causes aren't worth the limited utility it returns, especially relative to the price. The admin gets walked out, out the door on Friday for doing something, the VP of sales does the same thing on Monday. On Tuesday, the CEO is walking into the HR manager's office. Think they're going to have the same conversation? I I think my final thoughts. I think it's just too expensive and the hassle's too great for the cost and the value it returns. Last
1: point, last thing I want to add into this, Kevin. And I I know I I was somewhat critical of Jason's argument. Now I'm going to be a little bit critical of finish. yours. If you look at some of the public filings that have come out in the last couple, that's of what episodes, I was going to say.
2: Yeah, yeah. Then go ahead, Jason. Finish. I, that, that was my final thought. I, I've talked to two analysts uh, that, that have analyzed this industry quite extensively. And one of them, you know, is the is the S1 that was filed by First Advantage, where they see the current market between 3 and $4 billion is a total addressable market for background screening. But the post-hire market, which includes all the monitoring products, is almost double the pre-hire market. So really smart people have done a lot of analysis on this industry and see this as the next thing. Again, has not been adopted in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, that's for a lot of different reasons, but there are powerful uh, dollars behind the products that are out there today hey. and, and, and they're doing it. Now, you mentioned trade shows. Well, we haven't been to a trade show in two years, uh, but in the last two years, these these products, that's when, that's when we've seen the most growth on
0: so, doing. I think everybody's doing a real good job trying to make a market. I just don't think anything's changed with the calendar
2: okay
0: i think i think in three years it's charlie brown in three years we're gonna have the same conversation <laughs> i won't i right. want the phone
1: so i'd like to say that kevin made some good points but we all know who won
2: <laughs> why is your name on there
1: oh i think originally i thought i was oh. arguing this yes uh, for those that uh, see Nick Fishman up on the screen, it's not actually me. So in the event that you really fair. don't like me, it's Kevin's.
0: That's a, that's a win by default.
1: Right. Who, oh, oh, it's supposed to be Jason's? Oh, yeah. Perfect. All right. We'll give everybody a couple more seconds here. Oh, wow. Look at you, Jason, surging ahead here. I know you can't see it yet. All right. Um, let's see. We've got about 67% of people voted. Just give it another second here. And we're going to close it out right now.
2: By the way, I, I cheated a bit on this because I, I I talked to the head of the biggest company that does monitoring to find out what their growth numbers were, and they're out of this outstanding.
1: Why are we not surprised? <laughs> All right, well, Jason, you got the first. Uh, you got your first win of the day. Fifty six percent of the people uh, I, I agree with you, uh, Kevin. Forty four percent agree with you. I guess I would just follow up. That poll and that debate among those that are responding and saying, "Okay, I agree with you. Continuous monitoring should be a thing. Why aren't we seeing results yet?" Um, and uh, and and we'll leave it at that. Okay,
0: Kevin, I, I you're monitoring. I still be Jason on run differential.
2: <laughs> and having your and having your your proper name on there. <laughs> Okay.
0: Uh, um,
1: hey, and Kevin, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, or Jason, I think you're moderating this debate. I'm going to yeah. leave it up to you to decide whether you want to build in time for our bonus topic or whether this topic is worth a, a, a little bit more time, uh, uh, you know, to spend on at the expense of the bonus topic.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, this one, this one's more math. So I'm not sure that this will take up the entire 15 minutes. So let's push it to do the okay. last one, but I'll moderate this one. Um, you know, I've said it before: um, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, but cash is king. Um, and, and that's not just our industry; that's every industry. Um, but the question posed here is: revenue or margin, which is more important? So, why don't we have Nick go first, since he's been doing a lot of the uh, moderating? Yeah.
1: So, I, I I think that a couple of things. Number one, I think I'm the old man on this issue. I'm old guard. I believe that the way that you build a company is through profitability and margin. um, And, and, and that revenue is again, a vanity metric. Um, I know that's not necessarily how a lot of, you know, startups are working these days to me, that's just for me. You show me a business where I can um, where I can build a lot of profit margin, build a lot of value for myself um and and i would always rather that than a lot of revenue with very little margin to it um the, the if you think about what margin and profitability allows you to do it allows you to make a lot of decisions without being forced into decisions you know in other words let's say um you need to add more customer service or more marketing or more anything to your business if you're strapped for cash if you're not making any money you don't have the ability to really invest in those things, and then go find a lender for something like that. That could be very difficult if your numbers don't look good. So, to me, it buys you breathing room. It buys you the ability to fix things, um, and 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 frankly, it buys you the ability to to sleep at night.
2: You know, I think this question actually should be changed a little bit. It should be if you're not funded, like so. If you're not like Funded by you know a bunch of investors or private equity or something like that, you know which is more important. But I think you you could probably you should probably answer it both ways. If you're if you're a company like Checker that's got a two point five billion dollar valuation with you know seven hundred million dollars in the bank, this is a much different answer than if you were talking about employees from IQ. Yeah, the only
1: and look, I I I don't want to specifically talk about any individual CRA, but if you look at something like that, eventually, if somebody's giving you money, if somebody's lending you money. Eventually right. you gotta make a profit. That's right. you know, right? The, yep.
0: Yep. So, so I'm I'm talking so to the hundred and ninety-nine people that signed up. Um and and I, I want to be with Nick. I, I'm the view on Mount Margin is probably awesome. I, I would like to be there. But you know, I, I I work with my clients, I'm getting out of that 10, 15 buck fast food and staffing game. You know, let's let's go build a brand and a business to Nick's point earlier, you know, that insurance companies, transportation, white collar enterprises want to buy from. Low hit rates, high margin, um, but it sounds like I'm agreeing with Nick. But I'm also in control of margin. I control the size of the office I lease, the salary I pay myself, my team, the prices I charge, the price I pay for data. You know that those are the choices I can make. But I can't make any of those choices until I have someone who wants to buy from me first. So that's why I'm arguing revenue. You know, 70% of our audience when the three of us speak is, is VP level and above, and, you know, C suite business owners. If you're a business owner here, you don't want to do this for the rest of your life. You want to go sit on that bar stool and have that two for one, our, you know, Applebee special that I mentioned, but you can't do that if you don't have revenue. You're uh, a big fan of Applebee's, Kevin. I, I, I am. Um, a, a buyer, so, you know, if we put our, our acquisition hat on and our exit strategy hat on, a, a buyer's going to look at your business and see what they can do with the same revenue. Can they do it better, faster, cheaper? Can they make more than you did, or do they just want the future cash flow? You know, they're going to write you a check, but the check's going to be a lot bigger if you have more revenue. So, like my other arguments, that this isn't one-dimensional.
1: I love um, that you just—I love that you just said that because I'm going to argue the exact opposite yep. thing. The, the the they are going to buy based on your profitability. Um, they now. I'll concede the point that they might be able to see efficiencies that they can add to somebody that has revenue and be more profitable. But every deal that we see these days, we don't yeah. see revenue. We, we don't see deals based on multiple times revenue. It's multiple times EBITDA in this industry.
2: And there, and so, so you got to factor in their synergy. So if you have a company and you're making five dollars a year profit, and you have a company that's making zero dollars a year profit and your acquirer is going to see synergies of seven out of that $10 on either, either one of those deals, you're going to get paid more on the company that's already making the $5 because you're, you're being paid on your, on, on your profitability. Now, having said that, those companies that have never made a dime, they will get bought for a good price. I mean, they're not going to not get you know purchased, um, but it, it just really depends on what stage of
0: the game that they're in. So, you know, I'll, I'll, Here's what revenue gives me. Revenue gives me opportunity. Revenue's power. It's the lifeblood of a new business. Because once I have revenue, I have a client. I can sell them something new next year. I can figure out how to do something better, faster, cheaper inside my old own building this year. Not if you can't keep the lights on. I can't do any of that if I don't have revenue. So, So let's think let's think of the landscape we have today. Okay. Clients are gonna leave. They're gonna leave for a myriad of reasons. Maybe they don't like Sally in support. Who's the sweetest person ever, but they're not feeling it. VP of HR left. The new VP wants to bring their own person in. When that happens, is your leadership team saying they're worried because they lost margin? Or because they lost revenue. Because you do got to keep the lights on. You have variable costs you can cover, but you're not going to be able to do that by next month's payroll. So I've already said I'm a margin guy. We, we do this to make money. But think of what's happening right now. We're 15 months Into just coming off a global pandemic. And it's great for screeners now. I said a lot last year, if this is going to be a quick and easy thing, we're not going to see new business. People are going to call their employees off the couch. Those employees are gone. So this is all new screening for us, okay? But as business owners and as leaders who are coming off a really bad 2020, what are they going to do? Are they going to tuck their tail between their legs and go home? No, they're going to go out and we're seeing some aggressive discounting right now they're narrowing their margins. They're coming after you and your clients. Kevin, I think the same... part of that though, part of
1: that is that a lot of them pared their staffs down significantly. Yeah, and, yeah. and start And they have started outsourcing more of this so that their fixed costs are much lower. They can afford to, to drop lower because they don't have this, this massive overhead anymore.
0: And but here and now, two, two years out. ago, two years ago, I am dying on Mount Margin. Two years from now, I'm dying on Mount Margin. Right now, there is so much aggressive sales and marketing activity in airspace. They're coming after your clients. You're going to lose some of them. If you're capitalized. You have to replace it by going and taking other people's. I love margin. I just don't love it right now.
2: So I'll cut that off because we're gonna get to the next question. But I will say, I agree with both of you because if you're capitalized and you have money in the bank and you have investors or whatever, I would just build logos. I want to have as many logos as I possibly can. And then I'll show the profitability later. Yep. Um, but <laughs> if I have no money in the bank or a very little bit of money in the bank, I have no choice. You can't just sell revenue. you got, you got to make money or you're going to be, you'll be around for another month. Yep. So, so,
0: on this so can't, one, I can't do anything if I don't have someone to sell to. I can figure it out tomorrow.
2: And no talking about bowling is going
0: on today.
1: here, uh, yeah. Mr. Bachman. <laughs> in this one, again, who won? Uh, the, the appropriate response is neither of you idiots has the first clue, uh, but since that's not an option, you get to vote for either myself or for Kevin. And we'll give everybody a couple more seconds to weigh in here. Kevin, no tipping the scales with additional commentary. I've got plenty on, of my own. Okay. And we're going to end the poll now. Uh-oh, Kevin.
0: I can't see it. Hey, this, Oh, whoops. Nick, my 20.
1: Yeah. This is me dropping the microphone right now. <laughs>
0: All okay. right. Let's
1: get
2: to the ne- Let's get to the last one because I think this is a cool topic.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I know we've gotten a number, a, a number of questions. I think a lot of them are actually yeah. comments and we can try yeah. and look at that. But, um, but I do, I agree with you. Let's, let's get to the next topic. So, This is one where we're actually not really going to debate each other. This is, I think, a great debate going on within the industry right now. Um, And that is for a very, very long time. And I don't think anybody would debate it uh, as to as to whether this is the case, whether it should be the case. Compliance has always been driving the bus within background screening. Um, <clears throat> uh, to the point where it kills a lot of innovation that uh, that the that uh, industry has the opportunity to create. Um, I we're just all wondering now when is it time? Uh, when do CRA's say it's time for compliance to take a backseat mm-hmm. to innovation? So, Jason, I'll, I'll 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 kick to you first and see if you have thoughts.
2: And, and there's no right or wrongs here. I mean. It- the background screening industry, and I've said it so many times, is not very good at innovating. And a lot of the innovation that we've been seeing, especially in the last 18 months or two years, has come out of Silicon Valley. And they're really having compliance take a back seat to innovation at this point. They're pushing the envelope where they can. And the idea is that if something isn't 100% compliant, they'll, they'll, they'll work that later on, whether that be changing the way it's done or trying to change the laws and the regulations. Um, I read an interesting book uh, called The Psychology of Money, and one of the things that it talked about in there is in the 1800s when the railroad business started, railroads were illegal. There was laws written against being able to do transportation across state lines and everything else, and they did it anyways. They pushed the envelope. They, they tried to create a new industry by innovating something that didn't exist before, and you're seeing that now in the background screening industry. We create, with, our, with a lot of the compliance steps that we have, right, wrong, or indifferent, A lot of friction for the candidate. A lot of friction for the candidate, and Silicon Valley and new technologies are all about frictionless. So they're finding better and faster ways to do things, and the overall benefit goes to the applicant usually, where they're able to get a job a lot quicker. So is it right, and should they be doing things compliant? Absolutely, but they're not, and a lot of them are pushing the envelope
0: to see kind of what happens with it, and I applaud it. You know what I I, what I like about what I like about what we've done today, and especially you know this this um, you know bonus round, where a lot of us are stepping outside of our comfort zone here. You know, we identified a couple topics and we picked a side. You know, I'm I'm a continuous monitoring guy. I'm a I'm a margin guy. Um, but but you know, for the purpose of this, right, we wanted to present a good argument. This, I think, we're kind of all on the same page. Um, what I see and what concerns me is you know the nature of our profession. We're investigators by nature. We're compliance people by nature. And to some extent, I think it has and will continue to hold us back if and when we let the one in a million equals no, one in 100,000 equals no, one in 10,000 equals no. Um, I do think that we need to take some of the guardrails off some of our processes, policies, procedures in order to succeed and grow our businesses because exactly of what Jason had said. Others are doing it others are doing it. And if nobody's doing it, that's fine. We can bask in the comfort of the fact that there that none of our competitors are, but I wholeheartedly agree with Jason that a lot of competitors are doing it. We don't have the luxury. I talk about dying on Mount margin. We don't have the luxury of dying on Mount compliance. You know, we do need to look for opportunities to bend a little bit to propel our businesses forward.
1: Yeah. and And I'll just add this to the conversation. I'm gonna go back to what Jason was talking about with the uh, public filings by first advantage, and then some of the other studies I've seen about the total addressable market within this industry. We're not getting there unless innovation starts taking uh, uh, more hold, whether it's for continuous criminal monitoring, whether it's for social media background checks, whether it's for finding new, better, and different ways to do employment verifications, uh, the the only way that we are ever going to realize the market revenue potential is by innovating more so than letting compliance drive whether we do something or not.
0: Yeah, it's it's really that you know one in a million, one in a hundred thousand risk that equals no that that concerns me. Um, getting sued and paying the fines is a business strategy. Yeah, I'm not saying I like it, not saying I want to do it. But it's a business strategy. And my strategy is to build my business by soliciting clients, by doing things new and different and outside of the box that maybe the lawyers like, and maybe they don't, and maybe I'll get sued and maybe I'll lose. All those maybes right now in our space default to no. And and I think those who are looking for every opportunity to turn it into a yes are the ones that are going to win.
1: Yep. Okay. All right. All right. I, there there are a couple of questions here that I think we can give, uh, you know, yes, yes, no answers to. Um, I realize we're coming up against the top of the hour right now. Um, one of the uh, uh, registrants or, I'm sorry, attendees asked, is continuous monitoring more of a risk management play versus an HR play? I would say yes, um, it absolutely is. Uh, Kevin and Jason, I think you guys would both agree.
0: Yeah. We're selling to the wrong people. We're we're talking to the buyer of talent acquisition and we wonder why the person responsible for acquiring talent doesn't care about post higher risk. It's not their job. Person across the hall cares about risk management. They're going to buy. We're just selling to the wrong people.
1: Um, okay. Oh, David Nadell. Uh, thank you for pointing out that we were showing the wrong question on the, uh, sale uh, on the lead gen, uh, thing. Um, my technical uh, capabilities were stretched a little bit today compared to. I, uh, <laughs>
0: That's one, though. The over under was one and a half. So we're right, uh, exactly. still coming in.
1: Um, I we had a good question. Can somebody please share resources for the TAM on pre and post employment screening? Um, I, I, I would just say if you go to the recent public filings by First Advantage, you can find them online. Um, very easy to get to. Very accessible information. And it is now public. And yes, David and Adele, you are now famous. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, I appreciate everybody's time today. I know Kevin and Jason do as well. Uh, we know that you guys have uh, many other things to be doing with your schedules and attending our webinars. So hopefully we've given you um, uh, some entertainment, some information, um, and we look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Have a good day and we'll talk with you soon.
0: Thanks, guys.